Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Wisdom Seekers class. My name is Cece Collins, and I'm your teacher for today. And my message today is not a message on the crucifixion, although we will be looking at some scriptures pertaining to that. And uh, as I came in this morning, I met, we met Pastor, and I told him that the, the message today was just uh, was a, light bulb, a light bulb moment for me. And I'll share with you why, um, why I, I feel that way. Um, and I want to also uh, mention this message didn't come without opposition. Uh, there's been opposition ever since um, the beginning of our trip uh, as we begin to, well, actually, after I got off work, um, the, there was a car that came alongside me, almost sideswiped me and knocked me off the road. And I told the Lord, I said, do what? Amen. Amen. Not this time, right? But anyway, um, and I thought, you know, Lord, uh, I know the enemy didn't want me to deliver this, but, um, and there's been other things that have come along the way. I woke up at 2.30 this morning, and I haven't been back to sleep since, and I've just been nervous, you know? And uh, the Lord just says, deliver what I gave you, you know? And, you know, sometimes you wonder if the, you know, well, sometimes I wonder, if the message or the word that, you know, the Father has um, prepared for me to say is, you know, in the, f- the will of the Father. And, you know, this morning I got confirmation, waking up and tossing and turning, and the Lord just says, you deliver what I gave you. And, and I'll just pray that it, you'll receive it as, as the Father desires for you to receive it. So... When the team came back from Brazil in November, uh, one of the testimonies that Monica Terrell gave was about the accident that her sister had. And um, I don't know if y'all remember hearing it about her, you know, walking, texting on the phone, and then getting hit by the vehicle. And I don't know what side of the body it, got, it was. I never did uh, hear about that. But um, <clears throat> anyway, um, I know she emphasized so strongly in her testimony, the bruising that she received. And she just kept saying that it was just terrible. I have to show you pictures of it. It was just awful. And um, it just struck me. It struck me very, very um, close to home, actually, because <clears throat> on um, the trip that we made to uh, Brazil in June, um, all of y'all know about the escalator episode. Um, the main thing about that injury was the bruising, the bruising. I mean, it was, it was tremendous, and it was very intense, and it was, you know, from here to here, and it was eye-shocking, really. Um, I know my sister Kathy, when she first seen it, she was just saying, we got to get you to the doctor and all this stuff, and she was so freaked out about it. And then when I came home, Winfrey was too, and Monica said, words of wisdom, she said, yes, but she's not got any broken bones, she doesn't have a head injury, and God sustained her. Amen. And so, yes, this is terrible, but it's all going to be okay. And then when I, I came home and I went to the doctor, and the doctor was just, you know, you know, beside himself about, you know, did you get help? Did you get care while you were there? And I just said, no. I wanted to get out of there. <laughs> we had a time crunch. We had to get on that plane. We had to get out of that country, and we were on our way out. 
And, um, and he said, well, it's probably better that you didn't get treated in a foreign country, you know, anyway, so. But anyway, I don't want to make, I don't want to make it about me and about the, about the, about the accident. And I know that pastors, you know, um, have had affliction, you know, going into South America and, and the ministries done over there. Um, you know, the first thing was, I guess, the rash that you broke out with. And then he also received bruising on this, on the trip that we took. <clears throat> and I just, it, it just got, to, got me to thinking about this bruising. And there, there is just something about it that it happened to me over there, or us, I'll say. And then it happened at the home front. And it happened here. And I just feel like they're connected. I feel like they're just totally connected. I feel like, um, um, you know, Monica's sister, um, you know, she was standing with her sister for the journey. She was believing God for all the things that the Lord wanted. You know, she was in intercession. She constantly was you know, chatting back to her sister the whole time she was gone. She, she wanted to go on the, on the trip, but, you know, didn't go. But um, her heart was there. You know, her passion was for the mission that the Father has uh, put forth. You know, she's standing in agreement for what God wants to do in the country of Brazil, you know, because her sister's heart's there. And because, you know, her, and, she did, and because I know that Melissa was a member or part of the church, you know, for a very long time, and so her heart is still here, even if she's not here worshiping with us on a regular basis. But her heart is still here. Her, her heart is still here for the journey that, that the Father has planned for, um, you know, this, this network. And so she, you know, she, she was here on the home front, and she got attacked. And then I was there, and, you know, we were there, and we, we both got attacked. But I... And I, I went through a lot of emotional feelings when I came home, and, you know, Kathy had to reassure me, you know, that it was the attack of the enemy and everything. But I, there was just something about it that I just didn't understand how it all played out. Because, um, you know, I know my suitcase kind of got stuck on the escalator, but I've carried that suitcase all over the country, you know. I mean, I've, I've flown all over the place with that suitcase. Winford's gone all over the place with that suitcase. So it wasn't the suitcase. And um, so I just, you know, I, I, of course, I was, um, these, I'm just sharing you my feelings. This was me. Of course, I was embarrassed. You know, I was humiliated um, in front of everyone. Um, and then to top it off, Pastor, you know, I, Pastor got injured. And then, to really make matters worse, he lost his wedding ring along the journey because of the accident. And I, you know, so it was a lot of emotional things that I battled when I came home. Uh, a lot of, you know, of course, the healing and all that that I had to go through. But it was a lot of emotional things. And I never really could understand because, you know, I knew I was supposed to go because my passport was so late coming in. I mean, I didn't get it until two weeks before. And I knew that the Lord wanted me to go. I mean, he had pressed it upon me and everything that, you know, days went by and I prayed and I prayed and I just stood and believed that, you know, it was all going to work out. I had already bought my ticket, paid for the room and, you know, already had money, you know, to set aside to, to take with me and, and everything. I was just waiting on that passport to come in. Well, it finally came in just, just like that. I've been looking online every day, every day, and then one day I looked online and it had cleared. And I was so shocked. 
And um, then in, two days later, it came in the mail. So I, it was like two weeks before we were supposed to leave. And so I knew, I knew the Lord wanted me on that journey. I mean, I knew, that, you know, and my heart was to go, go into that country and break forth, you know. It was a big seminar, and I wanted to be part of that. And I still want to be part of it. And I still plan to go back, Amen. you know. And Amen. I counted an honor. After, after this message and the Lord speaking to me about what the bruising was for, an honor that the Lord used me in that way. I didn't feel that way in the beginning because, you know, who wants to go through affliction? Who wants to go through trials or tribulations or any kind of problem? But, you know, we know we are, and we have to just count it, you know, as unto the Lord. So... After looking, you know, I felt like it was really a significant thing. And so the Lord kept speaking to me about this bruising. And I wrote a little note down and I put it aside because, you know, it's been since November. And so I was praying and I was looking over my notes and kind of deciding what the Father wanted me to deliver this time. And he, he you know, clearly said, I want you to speak on bruised, bruising, the bruised. And I'm going to show you what it was all about and where it, where it came from and how come it happened and I'm going to give you peace about it. And, and, and the Lord has. The Lord has. So uh, my message today is on bruised. And it's a, a word, um, uh, DACA. And it means to crumble, to uh, transpose to bruise. It means to beat to pieces. It means to break, to, to crush, and to be contrite. And to, be, to smite, and to hit, and to oppress. And uh, like I told you in the beginning of my message, this is going to bring some scriptures about the uh, crucifixion, but that's not the, the, my, the vein that I'm going through today. So, Christ's passion foretold. This is in Isaiah 53, 4 through, and I made a typographical error. I'm sorry, that should be 12. <clears throat> so, Isaiah 53, 4 through 12. Forces. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrow, sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement, which was the beating that he um, endured, of our peace, which is the mission, was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before the shears is dumb. So he, uh, he opened not his mouth. So he didn't complain. He didn't complain about... Um, the pathway that he was going to have to take. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgressions of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, and it, he died just like every other human man. I mean, he died because of, the, of you know, the, the affliction that was on him, but he died, uh, you know, his body died just like any other man. <clears throat> Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, and this was his mission. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering unto sin. 
He shall, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul, and shall be uh, satisfied by his knowledge, shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear, he shall carry their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the, uh, the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many, and he made intercession for the transgressors. So this is a very familiar scripture that we have read for years about Christ's suffering that he endured. It clearly says here that Christ was bruised for our iniquities. He was uh, so the bruising we endured. Uh, so so was the bruising we en that we endured. Pastor and I endured was for the iniquity of the people. To me, it sounds like it was. As sons, we are a representation of Christ. We will suffer some of the same affliction he has. When you look at that perspective, it just makes sense to me. There has been, um, there has been, there has to be a reason why the bruising happened twice. We know we will all suffer for Christ's sake. Of course, no one wants to endure any type of affliction, but it looks like we are. There is no way we can compare the suffering that Christ went through, and I don't want to, I don't want to say I'm a Christ or anything. I mean, you know my heart this morning. You know what I'm trying to deliver. Because um, we know we're not. I mean, we can never, never uh, suffer like he, he did. I mean, I don't believe our body could endure it. It was supernatural is what he went through. <clears throat> there is no way we can compare the suffering that Christ went through to the light affliction that we may face in our life. But I think there are some similarities here. And this is my reason for addressing it today in my teaching. So verse 10 says, It pleased the Lord to bruise him. And verse 11 says, he shall, he shall bear their iniquities. So the bruising is for the iniquity of the people. So to me, when, I, when, I, when the Lord just showed that to me, you know, it made me understand and comprehend why it happened and, and the things that you know, we may, be, we may go through going forward. I'm not going to say we're all going to go and get bruised or, you know, but we don't know what we're going through, but what, what is it for? I mean, um, there has to be a reason why there's an attack. And we know that the journey is designed from the Father and that His hand is upon the people. And, and I also, you know, I want to mention that I know this is New Testament or Old Testament teaching and that, you know, Jesus died on the cross and so we don't live underneath that covenant. But there has to be a connection and um, I just feel like, you know, I feel like it does. So uh, this next part I entitled, He promised forgiveness to the repentive. And that means those that, that have um, the penitent, the, the ones that have re been repentant. So in Isaiah 57, 13 through 16, it says, when thou criest, let thou companies deliver thee. And that means, um, you know, don't put your hope in others. You know, our only hope is in our Creator. But the wind shall carry them all away. Vanity shall take them. But he that putteth his trust in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. And shall say, cast ye up, cast ye up, prepare the way, take up the stumbling block out of the way of my people. For thus saith the High and Holy One, which um, inhabiteth eternity, 
<clears throat> and this is referring to Jesus, whose name is Holy. I dwell in a high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and uh, humble spirit. And this is um, a bruise. This is our word daca, which means bruised. Uh, to me, uh, smite, to oppress. <clears throat> and to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the ones of the contrite ones. And this is our word daca. For I will not contend forever, neither will I uh, be always wroth, for the spirit shall fail before me in the souls which I have made. Um, those that put their trust in God sh uh, shall have an inheritance in the land of the living. And the, this, our word uh, contrite is the word daca, which refers to being crushed, and it's also a form of bruising. <clears throat> The next part I entitled, Broken and Contrite, and this is in Psalms 34, 18 to 19. The Lord is nigh unto him that are of a broken heart, and save such as be of a contrite spirit. And this is our word, Daka. Many are afflicted uh, afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered him out of them all. And the Father is close to the ones that, um, that call out his name, those that have a broken and contrite spirit. And I, during the time of the healing that I went through, I really felt a closeness of the Father. And I also recognized the, the miracle of not having any broken bones or no, no head injury. And so, I, you know, I glorified God and I, you know, praised the Lord for, um, you know, that it wasn't worse than it was. And when I came home, it was, it was a, a few months or a month or so, I had seen on the news where there was a lady that had been in the foreign country, and I don't remember, in, I think over in India or somewhere, I'm not even sure if I can remember the name of you know, the country that she was in, but she was, she was going down an escalator, and she got her, her leg stuck in the escalator. And while she was, and while she, uh, and they had to cut her leg off. I mean, and I thought, wow, you know, this thing that we went through, we could have been so much worse. You know, and um, and they had to cut her leg off. And I thought, you know, I, and I thought, you know, of course, I'm just praising and giving God glory, you know, in addition to all that. But it was, it was, I mean, you know, we had a serious fall, and it could have been so much more worse. But the thing that I want to impress today was that the Lord has showed me that the the bruising was for the iniquity of the people in that land, and. And it really has, you know, I told Pastor this morning, it was been, just been a light bulb moment for me. So we're going to look at uh, Isaiah 43, 3, and it was um, entitled, Bruised Reed. And a bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth in, uh, uh, judgment with his mis misfat and unto truth, which is emet. So to be broken in contrite, is the only way to in our relationship with God. A reed is a stalk of grain that is broken and it is crushed at such an angle it will never produce again. We have to be like a reed, broken so that we can't produce anything on our own and that our own our our only dependence is on God. Bruised reed and a smoking flax refer to the physically, spiritually, physically, and morally weak. And a reed is a bru is bruised, may be damaged, but is not irreparable. And a smoking flax may be about to lose its power altogether, but it still can be reignited. 
And the smoking flax is a reference of a, uh, of a wick of a lamp. And the lamps of ancient times were made of clay and filled with uh, olive oil. And the wick for such a lamp was only just a few strands uh, of flax fiber or, or cotton thread. And so it didn't take much for it to go out. The, fla the flax and wick was a quick burner and it was uh, hard to stay lit. And that's just like many Christians. It's hard to keep the fire burning for the Lord in, a, in a, a lot of Christians. And we have to be crushed and broken, have to have a crushed and broken spirit uh, in order to continue to be used of the Father. You know, we have to go before him with a repentant spirit. So my next part is the bruised reed. And in this, uh, in Isaiah 43, uh, 42, 3. I read that. Yes, I read that one. Okay. Anyway, our word bruised in this um, is uh, ratos. Ratos. And it means to crack into pieces. It means to be literal or figurative. And it means to be, it means to discourage, to oppress, and to struggle. So, um, you know, in our walk with the Lord, and if, we're, if we are uh, not broken, crushed, and, bru and bruised, and then we, we can struggle with life. If we, if we try to do it, on, if we're not oppressed and we, and we don't are broken before the Lord, we can struggle with our walk if we don't become contrite before the Father. And that is our word um, in Isaiah 42.3, the bruised. And our next one is uh, makah, and it means to press, kind of like pressing of the oil. Uh, it means to pierce, um, and it means to assimilate, and it means to, and assimilate means to deprive of strength, vigor, or spirit. And it means to be um, bruised or, or stuck. And this is uh, our word in um, Leviticus 22:24, and the title I entitled it "Offering to the Lord." Ye shall not offer unto the Lord that which is bruised, or crushed, or broken, or cut. Neither shall ye make any offering, uh, un, uh, offering there, thereof in the land. So the offering made to the Lord has to be come from our heart. It has to be a deep devotion, without blemish, and a pure spirit. The priests couldn't eat or touch any holy do uh, donations or offerings. If they were ritually unclean, they had to go through a cleansing process. So um, they, you know, lived by very strict covenant rules. And on my, I entitled this next part, um, well, it's, it's um, Matthew's version of Isaiah 42.3 and the bruised reed. But the, our bruised here is Simpatrio. And it means to crush completely. It means to be broken into shivers. Now, you know, I'm, to me, that word broken into shivers, I don't know. I've heard, um, you know, I'm going to tear you up into shiverings. I don't know if you ever heard, heard, that, heard that ever saying as uh, we grew up. I know I remember my mom saying stuff to us like that. And um, not that she's going to tear us up, but anyway, I mean, you know, uh, shiverings. And I said, that's not even a word. <laughs> shiverings, but anyway, um, to be broken to shivers, so I guess that's what that means, you know, um, and it's the same scripture, it says in Matthew 12, 20, 
A bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench, till he sends forth judgment into victory. So this is into victory. And um, our word victory is nikos, and it means into triumph. So the judgment will bring triumph, correction for our, uh, for our lives, if we, if we allow the, the Lord to make us contrite. God will not rebuke and persecute those that are weak in faith or love, but rather strengthen and kindle them using his own meekness and his gentleness. The Father is slow to anger and gentle stirs our heart. And we have to be patient and long-suffering to others as well because the Father was that way to us as he was nurturing us and bringing us into the place that he, that he desires for us to be. And he's still doing that, you know, on a daily basis. The next part I entitled A Bruise... Uh, uh, bruise Satan, and it's uh, in Romans sixteen twenty, and the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, Amen. So we know that peace is a completion and a fulfillment of victory, and Paul is saying that God will destroy Satan in his attempts to destroy man. This includes any device or plan that Satan has. So we all have victory over the areas of iniquity that we enter into. Um, and the places the Lord sends us to, we have the victory over the attempts of the enemy. So we have to know that um, we have to just go forth in him. We have to go forth boldly in him. And knowing that, you know, the light affliction that we may face are, are just for a moment. So... I'm going to finish up with the, the section of bruised with this scripture here. And it's um, a very familiar passage that we, uh, we know, and it's the words of Jesus. And I entitled it, Spirit of the Lord. And our word bruised in this passage is um, throw, and it means to crush, bruise, or be broken. And it's a very familiar uh, passage in Luke 18 through 19. And it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And these are the words of Jesus in the synagogue uh, on the Sabbath in Nazareth, where he was raised. He stood up to read, and all the people were amazed to hear him speak. God will give us the capability to minister where we are called, and the Spirit will guide us. The ministry of the saints will be victorious, and we will accomplish all that God wants done. So I have uh, finished the section that I um, prepared for bruised, and I'm going to be moving into the section um, of iniquities. So before I do that, does anybody have any comments? Okay. <laughs> you know, I think this is really an excellent uh, uh, rhema, and I appreciate it. Um, the, uh, the combination of that, the first word you were speaking of, uh, and contract uh, really is something that it's the same. It's the same word, and we, we've talked about how necessary 
this concept is in our intercession and uh, what we give freely to the Lord where um, we um, we begin to hear his voice and we begin to open our mouths to the voices and then you have to enter into that stage of contrition before you can really be caught up into the place of thunder in the Lord. And um, it's almost like the, not, I don't want to say the price we pay, but it's, it's the process that we engage in <clears throat> to be used of God in the heavens. Not just asking questions, not just asking for, you know, Lord, touch me, Lord, heal, Lord, you know, and all those wonderful types of things. But when you actually become submissive to being drawn up to his throne, you have to personally submit yourself that you will be contracted, that you will be broken, that you will be bruised. So it's, it's a lifestyle. And, um, and I know that the Lord was that way from the moment he came to the earth as mm -hmm. our great intercessor. And I, I'm wondering if in order to be in a position to do what you've been describing, if you don't first have to be submitted in that process of intercession and submitting yourself to the Lord, I wonder if what we pray about in that contrition that catches us up in convection to the throne, I wonder if our prayers in uh, diversities of tongues and all of all the ways that we are, we're submitting ourselves as a sacrifice, but we're gaining an empowerment to apply that for the people, which is where you're going next. Um, and, you know, so there's an inner work where we allow ourselves to be crushed into powder. But then God sends us, and um, in whatever ways we are, whether it's being bruised physically or being, uh, you know, it's not that you, you know, you can bind that and everybody praying so you don't do it, but if, so you don't experience that. But if you are walking prophetically into a theater of, service that God has prepared you for, that you have prayed about, that you've submitted yourself. Um, I, I feel like that's necessary personally before you can be entrusted to represent God. And you know the other other thing I'll say is the no broken bones part. Jesus had a bone broken. Right. And I think I think if we're carrying this through, um, you were there representing people who were called and who said, yes, Lord. And you were representing how you've submitted yourself and come out from the things that you had done and enjoyed into the Lord into something new. You represented hearing the voice of the Father and then saying, yes, I'll, I'll go and stand alongside these people that have committed themselves to be saints. And I, I prayed about this for you for since last June or May or whenever it was. You get old, you forget things. Not like Bucky, but you know. <laughs> um, but I think that part of 
what came against us was that God was going to use that to draw people from all over who will hear this message and say, yes, I'll come alongside. I'll be known by this name. I'll take the hem of the garment and I'll represent this. And Jesus did the same thing. You know, so I love how you put that in, in the proper perspective. Um, and that's basically what I've been feeling as well, you know. You said it so much el more eloquently. <clears throat> he always does, doesn't he? He's so awesome, isn't he? <clears throat> and I also heard your testimony on Wednesday that, yay, I'm on the other. I made it, CC. But you know, it, 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 there was a reason. It, there was a reason that it happened, and we have to look at things that we go through in Demonicos ways. And I can be fearful, bitter, angry, you know, regretful, and all. But I never had been. I never had been. You know, I was broken and contrite because I kept thinking, "What did I do? You know." Did I miss God? Was I not supposed to go? I hurt pastor and he lost his wedding ring. What's Debbie going to think? And all this kind of thing. Not that I worried about what you thought. I, I know, I know you. Uh, you know, I tell you what happened. And, and, it, and it really struck me. You know, when you lost that ring, that ring went into the escalator and that's what shut that escalator off. I think so. Do you know that? That's what shut that escalator off. And otherwise it would have been much worse. I, I, I mean, there was no reason because there wasn't anybody around. I mean, it was so strange when we all came through all of it. We kept looking for somebody to sh turn the escalator back on and all this. And there wasn't a soul around that, to help us. Not anybody. No one came to our rescue, you know. And it was just like we were there all alone. And and I and I said, that ring stopped that escalator. You know, we both could have been a whole lot more damaged if that hadn't happened. But anyway, and I didn't want to bring up a bunch of the past and, and hash over, you know, all these things, but the Lord just said there's something to this. That's part of, that's part of the teaching part. I mean, you, yeah. you, you, you do it, and then yeah. you, you teach. I mean, I, another thing I was thinking about was, um, I mean, you're a lot more holier than me. I'm just, um, because <laughs> um, I'm like the Apostle Paul, you know, I'm like... Um, this thorn in the flesh, this messenger of Satan, I don't like it. Can you remove it? And he's like, well, yes, but there's a, a, a particular way that the removal is going to happen. And where we tend to, I don't care what it is. It can be what you experience, what, it, 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 it's all part of the plan. And, and you don't, while you're in it, you don't recognize it, mm -mm. but until you come out and you look back like Moses, and you say, "Man, there's there's the goodness of the Lord here," and and, and he starts to really highlight, and that's just part of the that's part of the whole process. And but I'm I'm so more prone to go, you know, take this away. I hate it, and I I tend to start doing like Job, who's, who you know, would, would, would curse the day he was born. <laughs> and and the thing about it is, though, is 
the entire time. Like with, with Job uh, this week, uh, and, and this, you're talking about bruising and it's mm -hmm. things that are felt internally that begin to manifest externally. And see, there's a lot of things that go on inside people that nobody else sees but God, and then they start to manifest physically. And so what he's showing me during this time, and some of you know a lot more about this, what I'm going to say, is <clears throat> like the Apostle Paul, if we, ask for, if we ask for removal of something that God has allowed, then there's a particular part of the explosive function of dunamis that will not manifest in us because he, Jesus told Paul, he said, my dunamis is made perfect, accomplished in the midst of uh, Athenian yeah. weakness. Mm -hmm. And yes, I've experienced that in a lot of ways <laughs> over these last number of weeks. And I've seen, I have seen the miraculous function of the Lord be ignited in me. And I know this is not just for me, but I know it's for our whole network because the enemy the enemy, the, the, the corrupted dunamis of the enemy is to cause people not to function in the way God designed them to. So God allows all of it. But in the midst of my cursing and this and that and all the other, God's still like, I'm with you. I'll let you curse because I know the enemy thinks he's got you. I already know at the end of the book that I'm going to give you more. I already, he already knows that we're going to be successful even though we are not really feeling any measure of success. But I know this is something that this, this explosive function is being spread all throughout Brazil. And also what we face has a much, much bigger um, impact than anything we can ever think or imagine, is, is what I'm trying to say. And sorry, I don't mean to go all down that road, but I know it's, and, and the Lord's doing it. I mean, he is. He's causing people to rise up in their function, people that were bent over for many years and they didn't function. His power's visiting them. And it's not just, it, dunamis is an internal function first that begins to manifest physically. And that's the thing that we've missed for so many years is what is dunamis? Is it just a miracle? Yes and no. It's an internal thing mm -hmm. that happens where we're, it ignites something on the inside and it begins to manifest. People stand up physically. But like I, I remember prophesying like two months ago, and the Lord reminded me of this in the midst of all this, Pastor knows what I'm saying, is some of the greatest <clears throat> miracles we are ever going to see on this earth are going to be mental miracles where people have been like the guy that's been in the cave and, it, and the enemy's just, ra just ravaged their mind and they can't even function mentally. This is going to be some of the greatest miracles. An arm growing is one thing physically, but what about internally? The internal struggles that people face every single day. This is something that's going to be incredible, and we're going to see it again and again. And you have to walk through something like that in order to be able to, to do it, teach it, have the authority over it, release it, and it just start manifesting all around. And speaking of that, Mark, you know, so much of our society now is people are mentally ill. You know, we hear it all over the place. You know, these people have mental Ill, Ill, illnesses. This is why they, you know, shoot uh, schools up or whatever, or, you know, why they're out killing people in the street. It, and, it's, and, and, and it really is a big mental illness, you know. Our government wants to say it's guns, but it's really, a, our nation has got a lot of mental, mental illness. It's, it's, it's going to be the lame man. This, the, the lame man, uh, the, one of the first miracles after Pentecost when the Spirit was poured out was, the lame man, and it says he, he received perfect soundness. 
perfect soundness, when you look at that, it means in every way, mentally, physically, mm -hmm. emotionally, in every way. But we don't tend to, we tend to want to focus on all the physical. The physical. Of, what about all the internal stuff? Mm -hmm. Man, this guy's been here all this time, laying here, asking for this and that and the other. But what was going on in his mind? What was happening there? I, he was probably ravaged with all kinds of <laughs> horrific thoughts and things. And God, God, in a moment, has taken care of a lot of this stuff mm -hmm. that, I, that, that I've walked through and we've walked through the last few months. And it's, 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 it's totally miraculous. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I'm just real. It's good. Praise God. So my, the next, anybody else? The next section I entitled Iniquities. We're going to be looking at um, <coughs> in, uh, some scripture um, about in, iniquities. And um, iniquity is um, our word Awan, which Pastor has talked a lot about that being Avon. And um, it means uh, uh, perversity means moral or evil perversity. It means mischief and it means um, sin. And it can be from our fault or faults of, of someone else. And also our word, um, a win, which is affliction. And that's where it would be maybe the affliction that would actually hit, you know, our flesh. Evil, false, uh, mischief, if you're out, you know, uh, stirring up mischief. Uh, sorrow, uh, vanity, or wickedness. So the outrageous... The outrageous nature of sin, I entitled this next part, which is in Isaiah 59, 1-15. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities, your perverseness, your evil intent, your, your moral um, immorality have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. And this uh, word hear is um, our word sama. And it means he won't pay attention to you. Uh, it's not the hear and obey, but it's that he will not pay attention to you when, you when you're in this state. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers uh, with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue hath uh, muttered perverseness. None calleth for justice nor any pleadeth for truth. They, uh, they trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth uh, our iniquity here, here is they bring forth evil, they bring forth mischief. They hatch cockatrice eggs, and this, this cockatrice is a snake or a viper, which means evil, uh, eggs, and they weave the spider's web. He that eateth of their eggs, they dieth, and that which is crushed uh, breaketh uh, out into a viper. Their webs shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the acts uh, of violence is the, in their hands. Their feet run to evil, which is raw, and they make haste to shed innocent blood, and their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their path, and the way of peace, and this is the way of victory, they know not, and there is no judgment in their goings. And so the Father cannot correct those that walk in iniquity, he, he can correct them, but do they, do they heed the warning? They continue on in their pathway of, of their iniquity and their, their sin. In their goings, they have made them, themselves um, uh, crooked paths, 
Whosoever go therein shall not know peace, they shall not know victory, they shall not know the, the victory in the Lord. Therefore his judgment is far from us, neither hath justice overtaken us. We wait for light, but behold, obscurity means seeing through a dark, um, not clear, um, a glass not clearly, it means darkly, for brightness, but we walk in darkness. We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. We roar like um, all like bears and mourn sore like doves. We look for judgment, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before thee, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. Um, I'm going to stop there with that, that scripture. Um, I'm not going to go on to first verse 13 due to the time but um, we know that iniquity is twisted purpose and it can lead us away from the pathway of the Lord it can come in many forms as we see here in Isaiah 59 it's all separation from God's purpose for our lives it hinders our relationship with our creator and it allows darkness to overshadow us and our flesh will rule us iniquity keeps us from seeing the truth for what it is and the light does not shine in our lives the next part I entitled, Our Iniquities Have Separated Us from God. And basically that's just saying a lot of the same thing that um, I already spoke about in the verse uh, prior, so I'm going to skip that part. Uh, the iniquity of the people. In Jeremiah 5, 25, uh, 31. Your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have withholden good things from you. For among my people are found wicked men, they lay wait, they, they, they lay wait as that he had set snares, they set a trap, and they catch men. As, as a cage is full of birds, so are their houses full of deceit, therefore they are become great and wax, uh, waxen rich. They are waxen fat, they shine, yea, they uh, overpass the deeds of the wicked, they judge not this cause in the cause of the fatherless. Yet they prosper in the right of the needy, do they judge not. Shall I not visit for these things, the Father says. Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? A wonderful and horrible thing is committed in the land, and the prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests uh, bear rule by their names, and my people love to have it so, and what will ye do in the end thereof? This is a very similar to what we are going through in our nation today. The people of Judah, uh, they didn't fear God for his mighty power, nor uh, do they give him thanks for the benefits he gives them. They search their own pathways, which causes a separation from God, which hinders their blessings. And that's the same evil work that is going on in Brazil. You know, pastors said, you know, they're steeped with you know, idolatry. They had, uh, you know, we know about the election, that they had a leader that was going to lead the country in the right way, but the people rose up again and, and, uh, and rejected him and uh, chose, uh, you know, another leader. And their country is, you know, divided, you know, as we are. You know, we have... Um, You know, we we could have had a leader that would have led, led us in the right way, but, you know, it... Uh, it it didn't work out that way. I don't know what the election going forward is going to look like. You know, only the Lord knows. But we still have to stay on our face before the Father for 
the iniquity that's in the land. So this next part um, is Aaron bears the iniquity. And in Exodus 28, uh, 38, and it says, And it shall be upon Aaron's forehead that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel, Israel shall hallow in all their lofty gifts. And it shall be always upon his forehead that they, uh, that they may be acceptable before the Lord. And it says, um, as I was studying this scripture, it says, On Aaron's forehead was a plate that he wore on the forehead of his plate. And it says, holy to God. And this was engraved on it as a seal for all the people to see. It was to rest on Aaron's forehead as a sign that he took the guilt involved in the sacred offerings that the Israelites dedicated, no matter what they brought. And, you know, God is very serious about iniquity, and it really doesn't please him. So this is my thoughts. I'm just glad I don't have to bear this thing across my forehead for the rest of my life, you know. You know, I just got a little bruising and got over in a few months. You know, I don't have to bear this thing across my forehead. <laughs> but we see, you know, where, um, where you know, people have had to bear the iniquity you know, of, 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 of the land and of people. So I'm just glad I don't have to wear this thing across my head. And then uh, the next part is uh, garments for Aaron. And it's in Exodus 28:43, and it says, And they shall be upon Aaron and upon his sons when they come in unto the tabernacle of the congregation, or when they come near into the altar to minister into the holy place, they, that they shall bear not the iniquity and die. It shall be a salute forever unto him and his seed after him. So the priest's garments represented righteous, righteousness of Christ. If they failed to wear them, it was considered sacrilege, and the pre, uh, priest would not in, uh, incur the guilt, and, and they would die. That was a lasting ordinance carried on as long as the priesthood was in operation. Studying this lesson has brought back a lot of memories for me as a child and going to church. Um, we were all raised Catholic, and the priest would always dress in these long robes, decorative robes, and these gowns, and they, uh, they had a place in the back of the church that they would get dressed before they would come in into the congregation and say Mass. And, um, and I really never understood the significance of it all, you know, as a child. And I didn't understand the significance of confession and all that kind of stuff, you know, as a child, because, you know, we weren't really taught why you did it. You just taught, you were taught, you just did it. <laughs> and um, that was another thing that I didn't realize the importance of at the time, um, the beliefs of the ch of the church, but as I grew older, you know, and, and you know, studied the scripture, I I did, you know, understand, you know, the the ritual of it, you know, that it was all Old Testament that they never, you know, came out of. But I want to share with you uh, something that's funny. Um, so I didn't raise when my oldest child did uh, go to. Um, a lot. He went to Catholic school, and he went to a lot of the services, and he was, you know, raised and understood a lot more about it. But my younger child didn't, and so, you know, we would go home and visit our parents, and it was always understood if you went to Dad's house, you went to church, you know. And so we'd get up and we get dressed and we go to church, you know. And my little my little boy, I he, I don't know, he was about six, maybe five, I don't know. And he'd been to services before, you know, so it wasn't anything new. And the priest is coming up from the back of the church, 
And um, it's this long procession because they have all the um, altar boys that help with the, the preparing of the, the, the host and all that that they do. And the washing of the hands, they do all that before they actually, you know, it's really, in a lot of ways, it's beautiful. But it's so rich, real, ritualistic that it, it just doesn't have the meaning that it needs to have. Anyway, so they're coming up from the back of the church. The priest is behind him, and they're all, he's carrying this, this cup, you know. And then the, you have uh, someone in the front that's carrying this big wooden cross. And my little five-year-old little boy turns to his grandma and says, What's he toting that cross for, Grandma? And um, because he didn't, you know, we'd been to church, and we didn't do all these things, you know, in the church that we were going to. So he didn't understand what it was really all about. He wanted to know, why, you, why are they toting that cross, Grandma? And so, I mean, Mama thought it was funny. It was all really funny. Now, my dad wouldn't have thought it was funny. You know, <laughs> you know my dad would have said, you don't say that, boy, and all that, you know. But, yeah, but my mother thought it was comical because, you know, she, she, she knew, you know, that we weren't, you know, part of that, and, and she knew the churches that we went to and everything. So mother, mother was aware, but anyway, I thought that was really funny, you know. Um, it's just some of the ritualistic things that, you know, we experienced as a child. So I'm going to close with these uh, where God punishes iniquity in Exodus and in Numbers. So it's Exodus 34, 5-9 says, And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with them there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Keep in mercy, this word has said, for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression in sin, and that they will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children, unto the third and the fourth generation. And Moses made haste and bowed his head towards the earth and worshipped. And he said, If now I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us from thy inheritance. And in Numbers 14, 18-19, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children into the third and fourth generation. Verse 19, Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of thy people, according unto the greatness of thy mercy, and as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. So even though God is merciful, he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. His loving kindness was kept for thousands unto thousands generation. His mercy, his has said, is inexhaustible. God forgives people for evil, for sin, and turning against him. But he doesn't forget to punish the guilty people. He not only punishes the people, but he punishes further generations. So that concludes my message this morning. Um, as I explained to you, I, it was a light bulb moment when the Lord gave me this revelation. And I, I do not feel like that it was just... Uh, an accident that the, the bruising happened twice. I knew that there was something very significant about that. I felt like it was significant about it being in the country 
and then here at home. And I'm still just praying about that, you know. Um, do I have any comments? I just stand in agreement with you that as the Lord flicked the light on that all the treasures and victory that has been reserved by him through your obedience and your willingness and the willingness of his people that that it would be before the Father and that he will accomplish everything through it that he ordained that not one thing would be kept back, and uh, and I bless you for for being willing to walk that pathway, um, and um, I'm I'm grateful for you and Winford and what you mean to us here and to so many others, but to the Lord, you 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 really are a gift, and and I know the Lord views you that way. So thank you. Thank you for sharing this with us. Well, I count it an honor to serve the Father. So. so I'm just interested to hear what's going to come out of Dennis's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little worried. <laughs> you might be as well. <laughs> Light came on so that you can do something that you have not been 